Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You back at your favorite spot, the place where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull. Today, we have Nurse Allison Bethune. She's in uh, Texas right now and she's about to move back to Arizona. I told her I didn't know which one was better. She said she won't go back to Arizona. But can you believe it? She has over 30 years of nursing experience brains. She's an instructor, an educator. She's teaching up and coming nurses. I tell you all the time that nurses and teachers are my favorite people on the planet. Uh, They could have chose to do any other profession than to watch your bad behind kids and take care of your sick uh, self when you ain't feeling good. And it's a lot of work. And the nursing industry has taken a considerable hit after COVID. People are really revisiting that. Is this something that they want to do for 30 years? What is the return on the investment? How are they going to uh, protect themselves, their investments? They make a whole lot of money, but, you know, your health is your wealth. And if you can't take care of yourself, that all that money ain't going to do you no good. We're going to talk about that. But also, she's a coach. And she's a coach. I don't mean to laugh, but this is going to be hilarious. She is a coach for uh, adults, uh, parents with adult children. Oh, yes. Because, see, the rules of engagement change when you're 18. And there are still a lot of children that have not been weaned off the breast. So we're going to talk about that. And then some let's welcome her to the edge. How are you, Allison? I am well, April. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. Tell my brains how you show up in the world, a little bit about you. Well, I am the oldest of, oh, if you combine all my siblings, I'm the oldest, let's put it like that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am, I was born in Indiana. I was raised in Wisconsin. That's where I went to school. That's where I went to undergrad. that's where I was licensed as a nurse. And then we relocated to Arizona, lived there for 15 years. Um, my husband and I both are in ministry, but he is the licensed pastor. And he, that's what his degree is in, is in uh, theology and church planting. And so we came to San Antonio to help a church here. And now we're on our way back. And I've recently taken a position with Creighton University as their newest assistant professor of nursing in Phoenix. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, It's a lot. And you know, like I touched on it, the nursing profession is really taking a hit. Where do you see it going? Is it leveling out or are people regaining uh, interest in nursing? Yes. The, what took a hit was my age group. Uh, (laughs) when COVID happened it was like okay wait a minute Um, and then you had nurses that 
you know, are over us. Like, at, I guess you would call them the boomers, I'm Gen X. So they were already on the verge of retiring and then COVID hit and that really, really changed the game. But you have younger people who are, they want to become nurses. They want to take care of people. But one thing about once you become a licensed nurse, you can do several things. You don't necessarily have to stay at the bedside. You can do research. You can do academia like myself. You can, uh, in the schools, you can be in a hospital. You can be a nurse educator in a hospital. There's so many different areas of nursing. But bedside is, I mean, we're getting older. Thanks to evidence-based practice and, and nursing and medicine, people are living longer. So we're still going to need people at the bedside. They are. And, you know, I've noticed here in California that a lot of the nurses are from the Philippines. I don't know if there is, a, you know, if, if their classes are more accelerated or what. They do a fantastic job, but, you know, it it's inundated with uh, people from other countries coming here and also the practice of traveling mobile nurses. 13-week assignments. I have a, a place that uh, a condo and I rent it to traveling nurses. Um, so that is, you know, that that's very interesting as well. But what I do find is with those nurses, they always want to come with a companion animal. I'm not renting to no animal. Well, <laughs> the thing is, you're gone 14 hours a day. Sure. The dog can't open the door. And every 13 weeks, he's in a different home. So they're trying to mark their territory and get familiar. One lady said, I'll pay you an extra thousand dollars. I got three dogs. I said, no, you won't pay me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a lot. And the technology that nurses have to, to, um, to learn, it's crazy. It's not just about giving you your medication and changing your bedpan and you know, taking the doctor's orders, it is really state-of-the-art technology, and you're responsible for that. Yes, it's even changed. I left the bedside in 2009, and I never thought that I would leave the bedside. My background is an emergency nurse. Um, I loved it. My health took a turn, and um, my husband said, well, you need to make a choice. Either one job, pick it, and that's it. So I chose to go into teaching, which was always going to be my exit plan. But the technology in 2009 is nothing compared to the technology that they have now. Charting, um, just the different systems that they have, the processes that they have. And even for the, the doctors, physicians, PAs, NPs, that if without technology, none of this can happen at the, the rate and speed and the volume of patients that they see, it, it would not be possible. And, you know, there's some other things that I've heard, you know, check me if I'm wrong, that nurses also experience anxiety. Absolutely. There is uh, bullying in the nursing. And there's a lot of liability that's pulled pushed off on the nurses. We had a big case here uh, where one of the nurses was prosecuted for, you know, uh, the untimely demise of one of her patients. Well, I've watched some nurses too, texting the doctor. And then she's there waiting for a response. But ultimately the responsibility falls on her. 
I really think the nurses are smarter than doctors. <laughs> they are there. They're dealing with the families. They're dealing with the patients. They have their own life. A 12 to 14 hour shift is no joke. I was in the emergency room with my mother at, um, at Kaiser. And I watched that team and they were, they were magic. They would ask one another, oh, let me check on this patient. How you doing? Can I get you some coffee? Did the doctor get you this? Let me run down and do your lab. I mean, it was synchronicity. So to hear that there is dissension breaks my heart, you know, but we're all human beings. Right. We're all going to go through it. So tell me a little bit about resilience. What would you say to a nurse or one of your students that's really going through a hard time? How would you keep her in the game? Or him? Um, I get the the pleasure of teaching the newbies. So they're like their first introduction to patient care or, you know, nursing. So they're my babies. Um, and one thing that I've, I've learned over the years, I didn't have a term for it until recently, is space and grace. And I tell them to give themselves that space and grace. You're learning something new. You're not going to get it right away. But by the time you leave this program, you should have it. You should understand it. Ask lots of questions. Some days you're going to be a rock star and some days you're going to question yourself, why am I doing this? And I tell them nursing isn't a profession. It's a calling. It's a privilege. It is. It is. You get the privilege of taking care of people from all walks of life, from any and everywhere. And you're literally a guest star in their reality series. Like the reality is their life. You're coming in at an integral moment, either to provide care, to give a, a listening ear. Maybe it's to hold a hand after you've given them some very hard news. Maybe it's holding a hand or wiping a tear of a mom that just lost her child or a wife that lost a spouse, a husband that lost a spouse. It's not something that, you know, you should take lightly. And I tell them, if you're in it for the money, I give you two years because you will realize that there's not enough money in the world for you to do and endure what you're going to see, hear, and feel. I, I hear it. And then also with your ministry background, you have an extra layer of grace. You know, and we can't always share our theology or our religious doctrine with our patient, but you know the source and you can pray and lay it at the altar on their behalf. Um, you see a lot of transition. You understand the difference between life and death. And for those that believe it's not over, it's yeah. not how you die, but it's how you live. Mm -hmm. Nurse told me that her patient bit her and then the family cussed her out. <laughs> and I said, you still there? She said, I'm still there. She said, and when I saw him get dressed and walk out of that hospital, she said, number one, I was relieved. She said, but number two, I knew that God was in the blessing business. Right. And, and, and a lot and, of it is not their fault. Like you don't, you know, it could be whatever condition they have. We're trying to figure it out. It, and some people are just people. They're going to people. But you still have to, you know, under understand them. And then they need to understand you. Like, yo, we're not doing this. I've told patients, I'm not doing this with you. Like, you came here 
for me to take care of you. I didn't call you on the phone. I didn't say, hey, <laughs> I didn't do that. So I'm here to take care of you. Either you're going to let me take care of you or I'm going to find somebody else. Or if you feel this isn't the place for you, then we can make arrangements for you to go somewhere else. But once you set that level playing field, for the most part, they, they were like, okay. But there's so many blessings, so many good things that happen as well. People do recover. Yes. Uh, people are kind. My mother said, there's two, two things you don't do. She said, you don't mess with the people to give you your medication and your food. <laughs> you know but there is and you get to see babies that are born and you get to see people that you know were at death's door and god showed them grace they were there um again you were able to see different uh your, your students go from one specialty to another and nursing like you said you talked about other fields but even in the nursing category there's so much. You could be an emergency room. You could be a surgical nurse. You could be a, a neonatal. You know, you can have all kinds of specialties. So it's wide open. And it's up to them. They just, my thing to them is just be safe. Remember, you have a license. And these are real people. Like, they have simulations. So we, you know, with a, a mannequin, and we can make the mannequin do different things. And I tell them, in sim lab, we can power that mannequin back up again. We can make it a teachable moment. There are no do-overs in real life. So if you don't know, you ask. If you've never done something before, you say so. Make sure you know what your policies and procedures are. Follow those policies and procedures. The institution made those for a reason. When you step outside of those, that's when you find yourself in trouble. Let's talk about the other nursing. The nursing of your grown behind kids. <laughs> yeah. Woo! I tell you now, why did you take that on? Uh, is that a part of your ministry? No. Um, it's <laughs> I need a minister too. <laughs> it started as a blog because we my husband and I have three children and they're all adults. The oldest is 34, the youngest is 26. Um and then we have four beautiful grandbabies. Oh. But I was like, I can't be the only person. Like, who are these people? Like, where did they come from? Like, these are not, you know, the babies. Our family is, is blended. So my daughter, I was blessed with her when she was two. I'm like, it's not the cute little kid. Where, where did them kids go? And so I started blogging and people put up on the blog. And then it kind of fell off because life got busy. And I went to my... 30th class reunion somewhere in there and um we connected with a friend uh my girlfriend a lot of us went to school from grade school through high school she's an editor and I was talking to her and she's like well turn the blog into a book I was like I ain't got time for that she was like no people need to read your book so I wrote a book called the other side of adorable it's back let me there see. No, not back there bring it up here let me see it bring it close <laughs> So this is my book, The Other Side of Adorable. Those are my babies when they were cute and cuddly. Oh. And then this was them in, in, in uh, 2018, 2019, somewhere in there. So in this book, I put my story, my journey to my mistakes, my, my joys, my pains, you know, when I was at my lowest, because from 
in utero until what teenagers you can always go find some kind of guide that's going to help you and show you what to do you know what to expect when you're expecting and you know the, dr spock and you know all those people wrote books mm -hmm. people automatically assume at 18 oh they're adults they don't know that's when they need the most guidance and that is the most challenging because they've been conditioned we've been conditioned to think that oh you grown you 18 I was not grown at 18. I thought I was. I had no clue what being grown was. And then a year later, I became somebody's mama. Like, no, no. Yeah, no. My, you know, my favorite motto is you're not grown till you got your own. How about that? And even then, they still not grown because. <laughs> they do. And But what happens now, and I've seen it with my generation, the boomers, nexus is that we're trying to make it so easy for them, so convenient for them, um, that what we did was we uh, handicapped them. You know, uh, when we grew up, you was a latchkey kid. Number one, you walked to school, you packed your lunch, you came home, uh, you had the key, mm -hmm. you snuck and watched TV for a minute, but you had those chores done, your, uh, you ate your dinner and did your homework. That was it. On mm -hmm. the weekend, you knew that you did your chores. You had to earn your money. Now it's like, uh, did you pay my cell phone bill? Really? Uh, cooking? They don't know nothing about cooking. You have to ask them four times to take the trash out. And then my daughter, bless her heart, she didn't move out until she was 28 years old. And, you know, it was cool. I didn't have no problem with her. But she had to understand that at the age of 18, the rules of engagement change. Now you're, a, you know, a pre-woman. You need to be an independent contributor here. Okay. Now you got to pay a little sum. If you work it, I'm teaching you responsibility. It's not like I'm charging you. Right. Here in California, $1,700 a month for a one bedroom. How can I charge you? But you can pick up the cable bill. You have to learn how to pay bills on time. Uh, you can contribute to the grocery. You pay your own cell phone bill. You pay your own car insurance. You keep your area clean. Mm -hmm. I don't have to ask you to wash dishes. Girl, let me tell you, I almost came up out the ground. <laughs> I, I went in there. There was about six dishes in the sink. I said, baby, I said, will you uh, do the dishes? I came back in there. Now there's four dishes in the sink. Had the nerve to tell me she washed the one she used. I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> it took all I had. Girl, I had to call Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. I was upset. And my <laughs> husband goes, oh, well, and I sh that should be an automatic. If you see dishes in the sink, wash them. You know, just little things like that. My girlfriend said, you know, her son with the PlayStation won't take the garbage out. 19 years old, don't have a job, not going to school. So give us some, some suggestions. How do we rewrite this? What? How do we rewrite this wrong? Because we're wronging them. Well, first part is uh, knowing is half the battle, you, you know. And a lot of it was me realizing that I created what I saw. Like, I can't be mad at them because I helped create that. Um, 
but when they were younger, I did set those standards. Like, no, you, this is your chore. This is why you have to do it. This is what you're going to do. My boys knew how to cook and they knew how to clean. They act like they didn't, but they knew how to cook. They knew how to clean. They knew how to wash their own clothes because I'm raising you to be an adult. You're going to be a male. It's not guaranteed you're going to have somebody that's going to do that for you. And I'm not raising you for somebody to do that for you. You need to know how to do it on your on your own. Um, where I fell off at was the way I spoke to them. Mm. And... Um, it kind of took me uh, to un a long time. We were always butt heads because I kept talking to them like they were three and four. You know, they 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. However, you know, they were. They were no longer in my home. Like either you, the oldest, you got put out. You can't do what I tell you to do. Then obviously you got a better plan. They don't include my house. Thank you. Goodbye. The middle, he decided when he turned 21, he wanted to move to New York. Really? okay that's my baby you know so I was kind of broke up but after two weeks I was like yes <laughs> and then um our daughter she's still in Wisconsin with with her mom and now she has her own family so we didn't get that part of it with her but with my boys it was like you gonna do what I say they don't they ain't gotta do nothing I tell them to do because they no longer on my watch Right. So it didn't click for me until my father, um, when he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, I didn't want to go back home because my mother and I would bump heads all the time. Mm -hmm. And she said something to me and I was like, who are you talking to? Like, who, who, who are you talking to? Mm -hmm. and she like, I'm talking to you. I was like, you're talking to 10-year-old Allison. You can't be talking to the 40-plus-year-old Allison that got three kids and a grand. Like, who is you talking to? Right, right, right. And in that moment, God said, do you get it? And I was like, mm -hmm. yo, that's what my boys was, that's what they've been trying to tell me. It was like, you can't, you know, and I immediately, I text them and I say, yo, I'm sorry. I get it. I understand what you've been trying to tell me for all these years. And I apologize. It's going to take me some time to switch how I speak to you. I said, but if you rock with me, I'm going to rock with you. And they was like, you know, that's what they've been waiting on. Right. And so once I did that, I had to do my work first. So you can't say it's all them. No, right. you can start you. And then you just change the way you 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 speak. Okay, so yeah, you but you know what? Sometimes you got to put the gruff in it. You you have That's to put true. the gruff in it. That is and, true. And it's the expectation, right? The situation that I ran into. I gave my daughter a huge gift, huge gift, and then she gonna kill me if she knew I told this, but she had to kill me. Um, she maxed out my credit card. It was a joint credit card that we had. We had it for a long time, but she decides to go on a trip with her and her friends, you know, and max it out. After I had given her this huge gift, I was like Sybil. My head was spinning. I was cussing. I was acting a fool. And she said, she did, I I've never seen you act like that. She said, you went atomic on me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, yeah and then some but 
I had to dial back and realize my responsibility in this because I gave her more than she could handle. I spoiled her rotten. She's my only child. For the most part, you know, 90% of her is, I ain't never had no drugs, no, no problems, you know, so I figure I can continue to pour into her, but she wasn't able to handle it because when she came back to me, she says, well, this is the way it's always been. It's never been a problem. So I had to check myself, cut off the credit card and make her responsible more and say, you know what? You are 34 years old. You're not a child. And I'm not going to treat you like a child. I'm going to treat you like a grown woman. So the extra little bills I was paying and every time we go out to lunch, I was paying and this, that, and the other. Now I'm going to treat you like a 35-year-old woman. So parents, what you have to understand is that you got to revisit this and realize that you're dealing with an adult. You know, they will never be your equal. And I don't want to be your friend. I want to be your parent. Right. I tell people that you, well, that's my best friend. No, my kids know that I'm mama. They going to always know that I'm mama. I got to look and they know when that look come across. Okay, let me, let me, we are friendly. Yes, We've gone out, you know, we've had drinks together. We've done this, we've done that, but I'm still mama. And that that's a line that you can't cross. And no, you will never be my equal. And I will, even if you get to the age that I am and I'm no longer on this earth, I still outlived you. I still am your mama and I still have wisdom that you have yet to gain. So that line is like we say in, in nursing and medicine is a line of demarcation. You know where that line is. There's no crossing it. There's no gray area. You know where that where it is and is and I'm glad you said expectations sometimes we do set them up with um unrealistic expectations yeah so you have to you know get that and one thing my children said to me and um my girlfriends and my soul workers, their, their their children said we never saw you struggle right and I was like oh so here they are at 34, 35, 26, um, thinking they're supposed to have it all together. And I was like, no, nah, we ain't have it all together. I'm sorry. It may have looked like it. I said, but you were children. And so you we let you be kids. You ain't have to know what, you know, what how much the mortgage was and, and car notes and all of that. Your job was to go to school, do what we asked you to do, and and live life. That's that's all you had to do. But no. Maybe we could have let you know. We always say, well, no, we don't have it. Not meaning we didn't have it. We didn't have it for to, for you to do what you wanted to do. Exactly. But, you know, as they get older, you just got to. My daughter, I said, baby, I said, you have never come home and the lights weren't on. You have never, the water was turned off. We were being evicted. Mm-hmm. You could go and have everything from lamb chops to a tuna fish sandwich. You have never experienced lack. And that gives you grit. Okay. You got to, as we say, you got to have some street cred. (laughs) You got to know how to make a dollar out of 15 cents. I'm not going to be here one day. That's it. 
And if I do leave you an inheritance, I don't want you to trick it off. I could trick it off. So you see these kids with this sense of entitlement and they are very disingenuous. I see some of them that are rude and disrespectful. If you allow that type of behavior, you have to let That's them know. That's not new behavior though, April. They were disrespectful when they were younger and it was never checked. Right. And now that they're adults, they're just, you know, they're taking it up um, an, another level. I see little kids, like two or three, saying stuff to their parents. I look at their parents like, you're you going to let that slide? Because they're not going to be two or three tomorrow. They're going to be 12 or 13. And then they're going to be 15 and 17 and looking you in your face or standing over you. Then that's when you're going to realize it was a problem. Mm -hmm. And now it's that's something they, they've done their, their entire lives. No, you're not going to see eye to eye all the time, but there is a way with respect that we can have that conversation. And you must demand it. It's not yeah. an option. Not an option. My no. daughter's friend came over here uh, one day of a different culture and smelling like weed, uh, goes in my backyard, cussing like a sailor, F this, F that. All. And I told my daughter, I said, what did you bring over here? Who, who, who was this? I said, I know that's not how you present yourself to her parents. Right. And, you know, if you go smoke weed, at least have enough decency to present your best to me and, and get it off you before you come in my house and cussing like I'm your best friend. I'm not your best friend. I am your friend's mother. And I told my daughter, I said, I don't particularly care for her. So there's no need to bring her back. That's so hard. That? Oh, mom, you know, that's just no, 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 no. I will not accept that from you or your friends. That's it. And so again, it, it takes a village. It yeah. used to be where the neighbor could check your child. Not anymore. I'm not. I, yeah, I'm not all into that. You know, corporal punishment and all that. But they could definitely uh, say something to you. Oh, and don't be a church. The church mother would pull you by your ear <laughs> and have you sit right next to her. Okay. Your mama would be up in the choir saying she didn't have to worry about you because you were taken care of. But now it's just this, um, and it's a disrespect among older. A girlfriend of mine is, um, me and her are having a lot of deep conversations because her children want her to conform to appease them. And she says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not going to bow down to you. And I keep telling her, well, you know what? At this point, when they're 35 and 40, there can be some negotiation. Right. You can meet them because they have their own life now. They don't live with you. They have a different life experience. They have a different conversation. And they are still your children. Mm -hmm. And just because we want respect, we also have to reciprocate and give respect. That's it. Yes. And another thing we have to remember, lived experiences are non-negotiable. So even through, and I'm all for therapy. I tell all my, as long as far as I know, everybody got therapy because I was like, hey, I tried my best. I'm quite sure I screwed you up. Just like I'm quite sure my parents tried their best. <laughs> yeah, just get, get, just get yourself one. Right. But in therapy, my therapist was like, but that's his experience. 
And I said, that wasn't mine. And I stopped. Your intent is not their experience. What I intended to do or say was not his experience. So when they're giving their experience, that has nothing to do with you as a parent. It's not a knock on you as a mother. And that's what I tell my moms. It's not about you in that moment. It's about their experience. Listen to what they are saying. Right. I took it personal. Well, I did this and I did that, but that's not what the conversation was about. My intent did not translate the way that I thought it would, hence for their experience. And now I have to honor that experience validate their feelings and sometimes you have to say I'm sorry yeah. I'm sorry that's not what I intended to do I never meant to hurt you like that I am so sorry mm -hmm. now Don't see you? that was one thing my mother would not do oh, um, absolutely. my mother would not say she would understand what she did she's a great mom okay but the words I'm sorry she said she they fell uh they fell short with her uh they were um you know just weak you knew what you intended to do from the get-go. And because now you say, I'm sorry, I, I'm supposed to for, you know, forgive and forget. She says, we don't have to revisit this. We don't have to you know, go through the trauma again. She said, and I won't do it. I, I acknowledge what I've done. But for me to you know, cow down to you and say, I'm sorry, I bet you my mother lived, lived with us for 30 years. And I could count on one hand. How many times she said the words, I'm sorry. But as I got older, I got to understand. Now, that's not me. But when I do say I apologize or I'm sorry, it is so sincere because I understand what that is. And, you know, the trauma, the epigenetics, the generational trauma that has been passed down from, uh, from grandma to your mama to you to your kids, to their kids. When are we going to break the cycle? So as again, like you said, therapy is huge because it allows you to pull back the layers of the onion and your eyes will water. Yeah. It's and so that's part of growing up. That's part of maturing. As long as, even though every day we live, we're getting closer to that funeral, every day that you're alive and you have breath, you have an opportunity to be better. That's right. It's whether you choose to be better or not. You can't expect better from your children and you're not even better to yourself. Right. So it's, it, it starts, everything starts with you. Yes, those are my kids. They, they drive me nuts, but I love them. I see, I'm starting to see them for who they are as grown men and as a grown woman. And I see that, hey, we did all right. You know, they, they're, they're human. They made mistakes. I made mistakes. You know, I'm trying my best to help them see the generational things. And hey, don't do that. Don't, like my oldest has a, a teenager and a five-year-old. I'm like, yo, remember when I said that to you? Or remember when this, when you were little? Stay in that space. Feel it. Now look at your daughter. You right. think she's in the same way. And he was like, well, yeah, I didn't think about it that way. I said, again, my intent was good, but the way I said it, I'm matter of fact, like there's no, I'm a, and I had to learn how to take those, <laughs> my words and not make them a shib or a, a, a 
Well, that's what happened with me and my daughter, because I'm telling you, I was I was a cold piece. Oh man, that part. So I had to learn. So that's what she said to me. She said, you know what? Can next time can we just dial back, give ourselves some space to unpack it Mm -hmm. and revisit it. I said, you know, when you do something to me, I kind of fire off at you. And then words hurt. They do hurt. Words are painful. And they she will never forget. But I tell you, I'm not going to never have that problem again. Believe and trust. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and I wrote about, I think it's chapter four in my book, where it's communication. And I see every word that I spoke to them hit parts of them that I never saw. Their spirit their soul, the innermost pieces of them. Like I was literally killing them from the inside out by the way that that I talked to them. And that hurt me more than anything. Like that chapter was so cathartic for me because it was a generational trauma. It was all of those things. Where do you think I learned it from? Where do you think my mother learned it from? Where do you think her mother learned it from? And I'm like, no. First then- it has been diluted by the time it got to you and it's diluted even more as you talk to those grandbabies right so my son is like who are you and i'm like you know he's like man if, yeah when you were little you probably would have got broke off like hands down you are correct i said but on this side of things you figure out that life is really not as serious as 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 we make it out to be you, it, when you get to where you think you're supposed to be, you're going to be like, that's it. This one supposed to be. This this what I was clawing and, and, and scratching for. And this, this I'm not even satisfied. Sit, sit down, talk to your children, figure out what's going on with them. Sometimes you are going to raise your voice. Sometimes you are going to say a few choice words. However, you need to dial that back and then figure out how you can say it in a way that's not going to pierce their soul, pierce right. their spirit. You didn't like it. Let's not, you know, repeat the the cycle. They are their mama's children. I mean, I can't. I, they got that. They got that mouth. Right. So, right. right. That, you know. And that spills over into every aspect of their life. Yes. That's going to spill over into the relationship that they have with their partner. Yes. You know, how they talk to them. You know, it becomes it becomes the norm. And that's not that's not that's not the norm. And that's it, not. And it's not and it's not good. Um, so let's ask you some fun questions. Okay. All right. My favorite question. If you were an appliance in the kitchen, Allison, what appliance would you be and why? The coffee maker. (laughs) It is life. I want to be life-giving. I'm going to give you that cup of caffeine in the morning. I know. I think I'd be the refrigerator because I just want to chill. <laughs> if you had three wishes, including your guilty pleasures, what would they be? Um, to live on an island with all the food all my favorite foods and beverages so that's one wish right okay mm-hmm. um the second wish would be that I could have one more conversation with my favorite loved one mm-hmm. and the third wish is that you know 
what? I don't. Let me think of the third, which would be. And it's not even. Have you asked me this twenty years ago? I'd have gave you all selfish things. Um. My third wish is that when I do leave this earth and the Lord calls me home, that I have left a legacy that will extend beyond my children, their children, their children's children, and their children's children. Okay, that's beautiful. If you weren't in nursing, what career path would you have taken? Hmm. Actually, out of high school, my first go-round in college, I was pre-med. Mm. So you just would have did the full Monty and just went on and become a doctor? Probably, yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. If you were a flower in the garden, what flower would you be? Oh, um, I think a rose. A rose? A rose. I'd be a tulip because they're wild. They are so beautiful and I love them. Um, what would you tell a 25-year-old Allison? You're going to be all right, girl. It's gone. You're going to come out on the other side and you're going to be able to live your wildest dreams travel to those places you're thinking about now and you're gonna marry the man that God really intended for you to have that's beautiful that's beautiful today if your words had an odor what would they smell like oh Gucci floral <laughs> Gucci <laughs> I love the it. Gardenia, the, the floral gardenia, yes. Very light, very airy, sensuous, and it will make you pay attention. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about your legacy and that book being a part of that legacy. Um, I want my brains to pick up a copy. Uh, is it on Amazon? It is on Amazon, or they can go to my website, which is www.myname, Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-R, as in Robert, and my last name, B-E-T-H-U-N-E.com. Friends, every parent should have this book in their arsenal as a point of reference. Again, you reading Dr. Spock and all this other stuff, but you need the real deal because you are, you can't re-raise a grown person and you cannot live your life vicariously through them. That's it. We are the portal. We are the conduit that they came through. But once they are here, you best believe the world will have an impact and an influence like no other. And the best thing that you can do is to be their Uber driver and let them be a good passenger and you all have a smooth ride. So thank you so much, Allison, for being here on the edge with me. I have enjoyed this so much and it was therapeutic for me too. I'm gonna go and say a few more kind words. We on good terms now. We about to go on vacation together. And all right. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll hold the credit card. Please do. <laughs> Brains, go in check out other edgy conversations here on The Edge. We give you everything you need from soup to nuts. 
we got nurses, we got doctors, we got jazz artists, we've got friends, we've got people that just want to use it as a dumping ground and get it off their mind. Uh, this is the address, love, like, share, and subscribe. Love, like, share, and subscribe. Allison, come on and check back in with me. I'm going to come to Arizona. Uh, I don't know how, how close you are to, to, um, to Sedona, but girl, there's some good spas up there we can meet, okay? Yes, we can meet. It's about an hour and a half away from me. <laughs> oh, where are you at? You're going to be in like the Phoenix area? Yep, in Chandler. Oh, okay. And so you're not too far from San Diego. You can come down this way too. I, I, hey, I, that's what, when I grow up, I want to retire on a beach in San Diego. <laughs> we, okay. Well, we'll talk about that offline. All right, Brains, handle your business and be kind to your kids, but also expect for them to be kind to you. <laughs>